This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. I'm Psych88, and welcome to the MCU Lorecast. And I'm Captain Shanko, and this is the Fight Space. We're doing a crossover today. Yep. And I, hey, if it works for Marvel, we might as well do it, right? Like, crossover events happen. They happen all the time, but, you know, they happen. Absolutely. And we've got a really, really fun episode for you guys today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to bringing you this awesome interview that I was able to to land over the weekend working a martial arts event. So I think without further ado, we do still need a spoiler warning for this. We're going to be talking about some movie details. So Genesis? If you're looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry lovelies, you are in the wrong place. Thank you, Jan. But yeah, um, you did this thing with Karate Fight Space, yes? That was That was the thing? Um, so, uh, karate combat. Karate combat. There we go. Hey, in case you all are wondering, I don't do fighting. I do nerd stuff. So if I cross-reference things all the time with this, uh, just roll with it. You're you're good with that. You roll with things, right? Yeah, we are always one for rolling with the punches on the fight space. And to introduce you to all the fight space listeners, this Psych eighty eight. One of the hosts of the MCU Lorecast, a show that we do together covering all of the lore and stories from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and their comic book counterparts. And Psych is the guy who covers all of the comic book action. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, that is that is uh, my uh, forte. I, I've put a lot of effort into a very cohesive library of the mid-aughts up through the... Um, early 2010s. So today we're covering a place where worlds do collide. And I'm talking about the character of Batroc the Leaper from Marvel Comics. And of course, in his live action movie appearance in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and then his reappearance in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if I remember, if memory serves correct, you landed an interview with the one, the only George St. Pierre, the man who plays Batroc the Leaper, yes? Yes, I did. I was extremely fortunate to be attending Karate Combat as uh, as media. So with the Fight Space podcast, I was able to go out there. I got into the event and was able to get kind of behind the scenes with the, the pre-production, the weigh-ins, and talk to the athletes. And then, of course, one of the really cool things that Karate Combat does is they bring in who they call the League Senseis. And the League Senseis are influential people in the martial arts community who then are coming in to provide commentary for the fights and work with the athletes during fight week. And this time, it was George St. Pierre. 
And back in December, I was able to meet him extremely briefly, but things were very, very pressed for time. And there was a moment this weekend for me to ask for just a couple of minutes of time. And I just want to give such a big thank you to George St. Pierre for giving me the time and um, such candid and, and heartfelt chat. So thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Hey everyone, it's me, Captain Shanko. I am joined here by the wonderful George St. Pierre. Thank you so much for the time. We are getting ready for Karate Combat 39 and it's gonna be an amazing night of fights. So, a couple more questions, mixed martial arts related. Um, if you had to give me a Mount Rushmore, who would be your top four right now? Top four, uh, Hoist Gracie will be 100% there. There's uh, Anderson Silva could be there, Dimitrius Johnson, John Jones. Uh, could be also, it depends for what, you know, what is your character, you know, some people will say yes, some people will say no, it's, it's a debatable, it's very, it's very debatable. There could be Conor McGregor therefore because he's the most popular fighter in terms of promotion, you know, so. He certainly did a lot to bring mixed martial arts into the forefront of media in general. Ka Khabib Nurmagomedov could be there as well, you know, there's a few guys also that could be there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of guys that, that could be there, you know, it's hard to say. Mark Coleman could be there, uh, I think. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I also have a Marvel show. It is called MC Warcast, and I know that you work our lovely George Patrock. So, can you tell me a little bit about shooting on the set of Captain America: The Winter Soldier? It was a great experience. You know, it doesn't get bigger than than uh, Marvel, Disney Marvel. So, so it was a great experience for me. You know, uh, I was very lucky to have that that gig. Hopefully, I'll I'll make a. I returned in the future. I was doing Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and also the series on Disney Plus called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I enjoyed the series, and I love yeah. seeing you come back. Yeah, I hope I will come back. The thing with these big production series, they only tell the actor what they need to know. They don't want any information to be leaked. So I wish I could tell you more, but I don't even know myself if I will ever be back. Hopefully I will, you know. I know Marvel keeps a pretty tight lock and key on things. So tell me now, who hit harder, Chris Evans or Anthony Mackie? I, I, I shoot a little bit with both of the guys, but most of my fight, fight choreography sequence was done with uh, stunt double. You know, they, they're the one that make us look good. Even I had a stunt double mm -hmm. myself that perform a backflip for me and, and different kinds of uh, acrobatic moves. So these guys are truly the the hero that nobody talks about, you know, they're, they're amazing athletes. Most certainly, and I love seeing your influence as yourself coming into the character of George Batrock with respect to uh, Sabat and, and the kickboxing art that he's proficient in. So amazing to see that, very agile, using your Superman punches in the fight scene, especially with Captain America, that was super cool. Um, did you have anyone on set that you didn't get to connect with that you had wanted to, maybe? Well, my... my not on set, but my biggest dream in terms of uh, acting would be to be would, would would be to if I could one day be part of a Star Wars production. That would be my uh, ultimate uh, goal. Would you, you know, every, as, a, as a martial artist, it was it was to become world champion and you know in, in the UFC. But as an actor. Uh, it would be to portray a, a character in the Star Wars universe. You know? That would be awesome. We'd love to see Jedi it. or a, a, a force sensitive, you know, like uh, I would really would 
like that, yeah. That's amazing. I, I say that uh, my favorite color is yellow. What do you like favorite color? Hmm. I like uh, white. That would be original. I like the the purple the, the purple one of Mace Windu because it's between the the, the, the dark the, the dark and the, the the good the light side and also the orange one the, 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 the apparently in the new Ahsoka show there will be a dark Jedi so it's not red it's orange because yellow is like Ray Ray was Jedi so red is is uh, Sith so they're in between. We were actually I was actually just talking to Mallory Woods and he was mentioning that he knew. The girl that was stunt double for Ahsoka, and she has an amazing karate background. So that's amazing. Martial arts has really oh. made its way into the world. Karate comes in, the, uh, in a lot of different occasions, yeah. Amazing. Well, if you guys want to hear more from George, you can see him on the commentator's booth for KC39. We are looking forward to it. He's got some amazing things to say. And thank you so much for the time. It has been an absolute honor. Thank you for having me. Yes. When's season two of the Boneyard coming out? <laughs> we'll see. I, I've been doing some research myself, but it was like done in, for myself in private, you know. But if people enjoy it, maybe if there's a demand for it, maybe we'll, we'll do it again. The demand's right here. <laughs> Did you ever find out what that turtle shell was? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, I don't think it's Cretaceous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to let me know next time I see you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. <laughs> Yeah, that sounded like you had a fantastic time. Uh, Mr. P St. Pierre, thank you so much for fulfilling Shanko's just dream of being able to talk to you for more than a couple of minutes. Um, she actually hasn't come back down to Earth since your interview. So, like, maybe you could talk to her again to, like, kind of just, like, ground her back out. That would be, that'd be helpful. <laughs> uh, this interview was just absolutely a bucket list thing for me like Sykes said it was an absolute honor to be able to pick his brain about some combat sports stuff as well as get a little bit more inside scoop about his role within the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I think now we kind of we'll discuss that because it was crazy to get his perspective on working on a Marvel set because he's not an actor Right? He's not an actor first. He's become an actor now in his retirement from fighting, but now he's changed this direction and turned this corner to work into these different roles. And I think I think this was a, a great leaping off point for him to to make a you know Yeah, absolutely. Um just hearing that he had his own stunt double. I mean, he's a world renowned MMA fighter, champion, like so, you know, what, what does a guy like that need a stunt double for? He can do all of it. So, you know, in a way, that's that's just making it. That's that is you've you've hit the you've hit the top, or at least you're on the approach. So, I mean, that was really cool. Uh, hearing hearing that he's just kind of a a big nerd at heart. Like they like Star Wars, and hey, you know, Disney, if you're listening, you got a guy. He can do all of his own stuff already. Just just throw him in a robe, hand him a lightsaber. It'd make his day. It'd make Shenko's day. Because then she could talk to him again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just give the man a purple lightsaber. Give him the purple lightsaber of his dreams. And uh, let him let him kick some ass as a, as a Jedi. I think uh, I think he would do well in, in that kind of, uh, kind of role. Because he's been really, really doing well within that action niche. And... Playing the character of, of Batrock, I think it, it brought a lot of MMA fans. Because, I mean, MMA fans, MMA people in general, are a pretty nerdy crowd. 
let's let's be real with that. Uh, it's become much more of a pop culture thing, and actually even one of GSP's sponsors has a whole line that's in collaboration with Marvel. Hayabusa has uh, boxing gloves and like shirts, and, and they're all Marvel comic related. I've got, of course, I've got the Captain America ones, and uh, you can get Iron Man and your favorite guy Wolverine. Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't you want $300 Wolverine boxing gloves, Psych? No. <laughs> Wow, that came out both very succinctly and very quickly, but hell no. Well, I'll tell you, I've got the Captain America ones, and they're comfortable. Oh, but... okay. I mean, I would hope so, because the man can't box, right? <laughs> they better be goofy <laughs> gloves. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, we don't need to talk about Captain America boxing in, in the Avengers. I, I want to know how they somehow made Chris Evans look so goofy doing that. <laughs> In what should have been very athletic, I didn't. I didn't see it. But to, to pivot back to athleticism, one of the things that uh, George said was that he had such a respect for the stunt people and their athleticism, and I think that's very true because a lot of the conversation that I've had with people that do stunt work and, and fight for the screen, and then people who have fought for a living, like professional fighters, and then move into acting, they say that it, it is a very different thing punching to miss and a punch that might land effectively in an MMA fight doesn't necessarily translate well to the camera. Typically in film, you're going to be broadcasting your punches way more. Yeah. I mean, yes. And it's the whole, the whole thing of like little, like sharp strikes or like things that just the camera will catch it, the camera will see it, but does that appeal to the viewer? Does that catch and keep the viewer's attention? Um, not quite. Uh, the dynamics of... And you would think it would, because, hey, we televise fights all the time, right? I mean, it's how he made his living and a bunch of others, right? Televised fights. So you would think, well, the real thing works. Why doesn't it work here? It's because the fight in and of itself is part of the story. It's not the focus. So you need to have these slightly bigger movements uh, to tell that story. Uh, as one, as my stage combat instructor once told me, uh, the fight is the part of the story where words have failed. So if you have a fight in your in your play or in your movie, the 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 point is is that at this moment. Nothing more needs to be said because the words aren't going to be effective. It's now action. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And um, it was incredible to get his perspective on that because he is such a, an amazing athlete himself. You know, he's competed in, in karate. The reason he's so involved with karate combat is because he has the, the karate background with Kyokushin karate from his childhood. He was actually severely bullied and that's why he got into martial arts and i think that's a commonality among so many of the people that become really really dominant champions and i think now to see him being able to go back to things that he wants to do for himself things that he enjoys and projects that he's passionate about i think that's a very beautiful thing that's been able to develop from a successful fighting career and now going into a movie career and I hope to see him back as Batroc the Leaper. I think the odds might be pretty slim, and even if they weren't, he wouldn't have been able to tell me. Uh, Marvel tends to keep a very, uh, very tight hold on their secrets. Yeah, 
I mean, short of a flashback sequence, though, I mean, his death's pretty final. Um, <laughs> nothing quite final like a bullet to the head, if you know what I mean. Which is a shame, because he was one of the better parts of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, as a show. It connected it better to, you know, the overall MCU by bringing back uh, a connection established earlier in the Winter Soldier. Um, I felt like it was a little underutilized, in all honesty. Even for a B-list villain as Batroc is, um, they could have done a little bit more with him. He was a little mm, generic, is what I'm going to say. He was another thug. He was a bit slightly better than average thug, but he was a thug. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, I think that is the case, especially, you know, they had to, they had to bring him back to connect him back to everything. And one of the things I did appreciate about the callback was that this is a villain that's established within canon that our Steve Rogers, Captain America was able to combat with and defeat. And it was important for us to see that, Sam Wilson was also able to compete with someone like Batroc because Sam Wilson is not a super soldier, but we have to know that he can still handle the same situations that Captain America could to know that he's worthy of the mantle. That is a fair point, yes. So being able to take on the same... He's got to be able to do the same threats. Captain America still has to hit that threshold. Doesn't matter who's wearing the cowl, what matters is the hero rises to the occasion. So, yeah, that's very important. Mm-hmm. And when Batroc skydives in, in the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I was doing my happy dance because I was not convinced that we were going to see him again. I'm not going to lie. I was rooting for him to, to, to make it out. Um, but, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of cleaned house a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend forever on it because we, we do actually need to discuss that show later so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna move over to do like a quick slightly more in depth of what i did uh with bats rock when we did uh the winter soldier just some some extra stuff that i i either didn't feel like i had time to really talk about or just some extra stuff and we'll cover kind of recover what i said earlier so without further ado we're going to talk some comics real quick. Uh, introduced in Tales of Suspense number 75 in December 1965 uh, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. We talked about how Lee has <laughs> a slightly racist kind of like undertone to a lot. So his name being uh, some sort of derivative of slur for frog which is a slur for french people um isn't a great uh lineage it's it's only brought up a few times uh over the course of his life he had a daughter her name was marie she was introduced and then promptly killed off with uh another daughter of another villain tarantula they decided they were going to try their hand at being supervillains, took on their father's titles, and then Taskmaster promptly kicked their butts and shot them in the head, uh, quoting that he hates ethnic stereotypes. So, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Batroc has bounced around on various teams as a mercenary. He leads Batroc's brigade every once in a while. But lately, his biggest, like, two biggest things that he's done recently was, for a while, he worked with uh, Ulysses Claw, who we will talk about again when we talk about Black Panther, which will now be next week. Um, he worked with him for a while during an invasion of Wakanda that Claw was leading as a second lieutenant or first lieutenant to him. It obviously didn't go anywhere. Batroc managed to survive it. Good for him. Uh, he appears on the Thunderbolts for a while after being forcibly pulled onto their ranks. But his biggest, like, thing that he has done lately in the last, uh, oh wow, even 2016, um, he worked with one Gwynpool, aka Gwynpool, uh, who monikered herself sort of like Deadpool. She's a meta-fictional character, um, like, think Deadpool's fourth wall breaking on, like, steroids. She was a comic book fan that, like, managed to get sucked in. It, it's very self-insert fan fiction, almost. But for whatever reason, um, she ends up kind of partnering up with Batroc, and he sees in her the daughter he no longer has, and he kind of tries to mentor her a little bit in the mercenary ways uh, before her comic book ended. They kind of bounce around for some stuff every once in a while. They fought Modok. It's it's fun. It's a fun comic book run if you want to get into it. Doesn't last very long, so there you go. You know, we just talked. We just talked about um, Baron Zemo on our last episode of MC Lorecast briefly for Captain America: Civil War. Um, one of the stories that I come back to with Batroc playing a a role, and it's actually funny. It's worked. Well, my favorite guy, Crossbones, gets his start is the Bloodstone Hunt storyline in the Captain America comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, Helmet Zemo hires the Batrox Brigade uh, to retrieve the fragments of the Bloodstone. So, yeah, he's he's in there for, for a while. Uh, Just his sacrifices. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess a little bit, because, uh, you know, about Batrock. Uh He has near superhuman conditioning, which, whatever, fine. Um, he has a peak, like, human leap and strength and agility and reflexes. Uh, he's on par with, like, almost any Olympian that you can think of on in terms of those without actually being superhuman. He is a master martial artist, and he is also a fantastic thief, and he's proficient with a lot of weapons, just throw something in, he, in his hands and someone can end up dead. So, yeah, that's that's Batroc. Sounds like they found the perfect guy to play him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that is kind of the... It's not just a look. You would want someone who actually, like, knows how to throw a, a punch or, you know, a kick correctly to play someone like Batroc. Um, so, yeah, George St. Pierre is a perfect... Yeah, perfect person to have played him, I th I think. He didn't even have to change his name. <laughs> no, he didn't. Or his accent, for that matter. Yeah, that also helped a lot. Being being a French fighter probably put him at the top of the freaking list. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, with his, with his style, because one of the things that, it, that we spoke about a little bit in the interview was that he had 
incorporated some of his moves from the octagon into his performance as Batroc the Leaper, and specifically like his fight scene with Captain America and the Winter Soldier. He utilized a Superman punch, and that's one of his kind of signature moves. And I I liked that they let him put that influence in. I don't know if they wrote that in. I mean, they must have had to write that in specifically for him, but I want to know if that was maybe ad-libbed by him or if that was something that the choreographer, stunt choreographer said, we're getting this guy, we need to use this move. Maybe that's a, a good question for another another interview opportunity down the line. Oh yeah, that'd be a great question to ask him. Is, you know, how how was the fight built? How What was decided, uh, how, how this thing would be shot and, and everything? Like, what was the fight rehearsal like in figuring out what would work and what wouldn't? Because, um, you know, you... It's like when I was doing um, the human chessboard out here, we do we would do these uh, choreographed fights and we spend months on these things. And the first couple of weeks is just you sitting with your fight partner and and at least one safety person and figuring out, okay, how do you how do we want this to start? What what would feel right for this character to be doing versus my character and what kind of weaponry are we thinking for each character? Um, like when I played Robin Hood, I I was going for like a you know agile rogue, and I ended up against a tank of a guy. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> uh, agility is going to be great, but I ain't going to do a whole lot of damage to this guy. And we worked that into the fight. Like I would throw these big haymakers or other punches, and he'd just take them because he's. Dude was massive, like, plus medieval wear and armor, like, decked out in furs and leathers. So I'm just, like, big show of punches, and, like, the guy's just, like, barely barely moving with it. And it worked really well. But a fight like that wouldn't quite translate very well to the camera. It worked well for a stage combat show. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And, and one of the things that that you do when you're fighting for the camera is you definitely broadcast more because the camera doesn't pick up the subtleties as well as the human eye. It just doesn't. And I think that's one of the reasons why fighters who move over to film uh, can sometimes have a little bit of a struggle with it. I know specifically on the set of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, evidently Grillo was just punching people left and right. And unfortunately, even though... Um, even though the character Brock Rummel played by Frank Grillo and, and George Batroc were within the same kind of sequence, the shooting took place over a couple of days. And I, I heard in interviews with Frank Grillo that they didn't make that connection. They weren't able to work together then. And, and Grillo was a little disappointed because like me, he's a, a, a really big MMA fan. So it would have been a, a big deal for him to shoot with a fighter like GSP. And yeah, they don't. They don't have a single scene together, like like being physically in the same space at the same time, which would mean that you'd have to be there, because all of GSP's scenes are on the bridge, control, or uh, fighting Captain America down on, on one of the decks, and all of Grillo's scenes are taking the bridge after <laughs> after Bat Truck's left, uh, or doing you know other mercenary stuff. Uh, if I'm Grillo in that moment, I'm like, I'm I'm going crazy. I'm like, are you serious? I missed this guy by like five hours? <laughs> uh, or uh, they probably haven't separated by whole days even. Just like, 
Yeah. We're going to spend uh, these four days shooting the Captain America fights between uh, Cap and Batroc. Probably got to take a day uh, to do other stuff or whatever, reset, so that they can also then do all of the shooting scenes for Grillo's um, strike team. You know, getting all that set up. Like, things move very quick on a film set. At the same time, you show up and it's hurry up and wait. So, like... Mm-hmm. This is a big juxtaposition. It's great. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I've heard too that, and Anthony, Anthony Mackie will brag about this. He said that during one of the shooting, one of the filming sequences, he did get to work with GSB, and he said that one of the punches slipped through as it as it happens sometimes, and even even professionals can make little miscalculations, especially when you're trying to fight for the screen in a different way than you would move in the cage because his whole intention is never to miss when he throws a punch. Mm. Uh, Mackie says he ate the punch and he was still still standing, so he says, yeah, GSP didn't knock me out. Or I survived getting punched by GSP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, I did, get to, I did get to move around a little bit with him to uh, work on a technique. I'm not able to really tell a whole lot about it, but let me tell you this. When you hit the guy, he doesn't move. It feels like connecting with solid concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Well, I mean, man's in peak condition, so yeah. He's got he's got thirty five pounds on me and uh, a, a lot of experience as well. That'll do it. Yep. Well, I've exhausted most of what I think I can reasonably talk about Batroc without getting really into the weeds and really boring very quickly. So. Uh, I don't have any final thoughts. I'm ecstatic for you that you had that opportunity. And heck, I'm ecstatic to have our first crossover. Like, we've been doing this show and you've been doing your show for months now. We haven't ever had a moment to be like, hey, let's do the thing together. Yeah, it's been, it has been very cool because I, you know, you and I have worked together for a while now on... MCU, so there's a a shtick and a and a certain flow that we have with that show. But I've never been able to bring it over to the fight space, and it's just been kind of kind of strange because it's been very much a solo endeavor with the fight space. I've had the absolute honor of being joined by um, just a laundry list of amazing athletes and combat sports people, and then of course to now have this interview with George St. Pierre, I have to say another thank you to him because he made that happen. Uh, he did not have to. It was completely left up to him and he's, uh, he was very generous with his time and, and thank you again. Just an absolute bucket list thing to come true. Heck yeah. I mean, he, he seems like a real approachable, real fun guy, uh, just based on uh, the one picture that you have with him and, and this, interview so you know uh george if you if you're feeling up to having a conversation via the interwebs we'd love to have you on to talk more about your time on uh, marvel set and you know how how it is in the you know how it is in there in the moment talk you know all that stuff but yeah that's that's it for me absolutely well with that all i have to say is this has been the crossover between the MCU Lorecast and the Fight Space. I've been Captain Shanko with Psych 88, and, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>
Night, everyone. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring. N7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork. Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music. Our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this. And you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And to quote Stan the Man, enough said. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.